I needed to not skate by for once in my life, and they didn't let me. At the end of the day, if you know that you don't feel good about the job, you got to be able to leave that behind. They just kept asking me to come back, and I truly love Milwaukee and Southeast Wisconsin. It's always great to be at WTMJ. This is WTMJ Conversations. Welcome to WTMJ Conversations. I'm your host, Libby Collins. Law enforcement canines aren't your average dogs. Not only are they loyal, watchful, and extremely protective of their police officer handlers, they're also chosen for police work for their intelligence, strength, and agility. They've saved countless lives with their exceptional skills and bravery, and many have given their lives in service. Well, joining us is St. Francis Police Detective Holly McManus, who has owned and handled police canine Bane for a number of years. He's now retired, and we're going to tell you why. She's now founded the Canine Bane Hero Foundation. And Holly, I have so many questions about police dogs, but let's start with Bane. Because uh, you've had him for how long? Let's see. Spring, the first day of spring 2014. So if my math is serving me correct, we're looking at going on 10 years. And you you were an officer prior to that? Correct. Um, I've been an officer with the St. Francis Police Department for almost 16 years. How did you get involved as a handler of a canine? Was that something you always wanted to do? Yes. Um, you're, you go through the academy and they, you know, you put up your hand. Who wants to be a canine officer? Who wants to be an SRO? Who wants to be on SWAT? Who wants to do all this stuff? And the canine aspect of that job was always something I was interested in. Our police department at the time, though, did not have a program. So Canine Bain and I are the first team for the St. Francis Police Department. And we essentially founded and kept the program going. And then when the time came for Bain to retire, we passed the torch on to a different team, Officer Kyle Holmes and Canine Riggs. All right. So you wanted to be a canine officer. There were no dogs available because there was no program at the time. So did you keep bugging them about it and saying, when am I going to get a dog? Well, it kind of happened quickly. It was put out there as we had started a joint tactical team with the South Walking Cudahy Police Department. The canine aspect was always, I think, in the back of my administration's mind. It was just a matter of having somebody do it and fund it. And there was a gentleman named Stan Cass at the time. He's passed away. He founded a lot of programs. And within a couple of days, his foundation, the Lee Cass, in honor of his wife, he would donate in honor of his wife who loved dogs. And they provided us with enough money for the dog, my training, and to outfit a used squad. So the cost to our actual city was very minimal, just a couple thousand dollars, because we took an old squad. And throughout my you know, tenure with Bain, almost seven years, we just kept recycling squads. So it kept the cost of the program down. So when the time came, you had the funding. How was Kane selected, and how did you two come together? So... Bane was a dog that was available up at Steinachtal Kennels, which is up in the Campbellsport Fondelac area. And that was the chosen kennel that we were going to use. Do they only do police dogs there? or So Steinachtal is primarily police dogs, yes. Breeder and mostly a lot of the dogs come from Germany. Bane happened to have been bred and born at the kennel. Bane's father was a certified police dog, although he never was in law enforcement. He belonged to the kennel owner. Although some of Bane's half-brothers, we actually just lost Usher, in September, Usher was out at the House of Correction for his tenure, and he's Bane's half-brother. So Bane came from a line of law enforcement dogs, and um, he, along with like two other dogs, were available at the kennel. And so I would go up once a week 
for four hours and hang out at the kennel, learn kind of the ropes of what it was going to be to be a handler, how training was going to go. And I would hang out with the dogs. And believe it or not, Bane at the time was super friendly. He was how old at the time? He was two and a half. So a little older for a police canine. Your average dog is usually between 16 months and two years old when they start. So he was a little older, but I fell in love with him. And then every week I'd go up there and spend time with them, walk them around. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. He was very stubborn. And I guess maybe looking back on it, he was exactly like me. Detective Holly McManus talks about if she picked Bane or he picked her. You're listening to WTMJ Conversations. Welcome back. I'm Libby Collins. We're talking with Franklin Police Detective Holly McManus about her canine, Bane. Did you pick him or did he pick you? I'm not really sure. Looking back on it, the start to our relationship was very difficult. How do you mean? (laughs) He was very stubborn. And I guess maybe looking back on it, he was exactly like me. And he and I had some issues to start. All right, um, explain. When you say he was stubborn, and if people aren't familiar with dogs, they may not understand a stubborn dog. But what was it that he was doing that made you think, okay, we got a problem here? If he didn't want to do something, he wasn't going to do it. And that's not normal for a police canine. And that doesn't say it doesn't happen, right? I mean, dogs are still creatures. They still have a mind of their own. But his obedience level was not at its peak, I don't think. And to be honest, that is normal. I was told when I first got Bane that it would take a year, year and a half to create a bond that was unbreakable. And I think that that happened a little faster than normal, maybe because I needed him to at that point in my life. When you said he was stubborn, was he testing you? I think so. Yes. And actually, I would say yes, because there is a certain personality needed for police dogs, an alpha mentality. And I think he was testing me to see if he could be my alpha instead of the other way around. Was he the alpha of his litter? Because you said he had half brothers. I don't know about that. He was the only one left of his specific litter. His half brother, Usher, was actually from a different mom. They had the same father. Usher was born after Bane and went into service before Bane. So I don't really know... Well, that's interesting that you said that his younger half-brother went into service before him, and he was two and a half years old, which, as you said, was older for a police dog. Why did they hold him back? I think it was because he had the kennel owner's heart. I'm not sure if the kennel owner wanted to give him up quite yet. And I think he had other dogs that were available. So I think it was easier to give those dogs to handlers before he teamed Bane up. And Bane was Bane's name. Oftentimes, it's possible that the handler may rename the dog because the names are based on litter order. So Bane was part of the B litter. So he was named Bane to go with the bad guy in Batman. And so I think it came time where the kennel owner basically said, yes, it's time for Bane to go and do his job out in the field because he was a very good tracker. He had a very good nose. So Bane and I struggled for about six months with who's who in the relationship. (laughs) Did you have doubts? At any time? Yes. Throughout the first two or three years of my career as a new handler, and I can't speak for all handlers, but my personal experience was probably more frustrating days than good days the first year or two because these dogs require so much training and the job is such a liability because you do have a dog that is trained to bite people. Not bite people willy-nilly, but in the actual course of my duties, it may have been that I would have had to use Bane to apprehend somebody or protect myself or another person, another officer. And that carries with it a weight of doing the right thing. And Bane, 
has a very hard head, physically hard head, and then his brain was very hard. He is still that way, which is how I know he's still okay. Even this morning, I was scolding him because he didn't want to listen to me this morning, and he can't even use his back legs, and he still fights me on things. And so that's how I know he's okay. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations... I remember grabbing him and pushing him into his kennel and closing the door and sitting on the outside of the door and like almost crying because I'm like, what am I going to do with this dog? Detective Holly McManus talks about Bane's stubbornness and a few of their growing pains. Now, more of WTMJ Conversations. I'm your host, Libby Collins. Let's return to our conversation with Franklin Police Detective Holly McManus talking about her canine, Bane. He's 80 pounds. Yes. And you're not that big of a girl. I, I mean, so I appreciate that. <laughs> so did you did you have trouble handling him physically or, or was he obedient enough that he followed commands and would stay with you? That was the positive thing is I never felt like I was out of control of him. That would have been a difficult thing to overcome. He, for the most part, went along with the program enough where... If I worked on something with him, we would eventually get there. And there were times when I first got him. I remember later on in his career, he roamed my house freely and was out and about. But in the very beginning, to introduce him to my family, to introduce him to a new home, and to come from a kennel life to a home life, I had a five-by-five-foot fence kennel inside of a porch. So he was inside. But I remember after one day at home doing some training at home with him, and he was so stubborn, and he would nip me. And just stare at me when I tell him he to do something. You? Not to hurt me, but to defy. Okay. You know how puppies Just sort of with his yeah. lips almost. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, I'm not going to listen to you. Okay. I remember grabbing him and pushing him into his kennel and sitting, closing the door and sitting on the outside of the door and like almost crying because I'm like, what am I going to do with this dog? Like, how am I going to overcome this to be the canine handler that I know we need to be for my community? And with time it came, with trust it came. And that's when we say that we get our partner and they're set up with us to be with us for the next decade or, you know, hopefully for the next decade, whether it's on the job or at home. And that's your partner. And for better or worse, a lot of times you have to figure it out. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because police officers, when they have a human partner, there is an unspeakable bond there. Mm -hmm. There's no question about it. And you rely on each other so much because you don't know if there's ever going to be a situation where it could be life or death. But with a dog as your partner, a canine officer, I would think that bond in many ways would be stronger because you're living with them 24-7. And your human partner, it's only during your shift. Yeah. There is no doubt in my mind that in the majority of my career that Bain would have given his life to save mine. He was my best friend. I mean, we spent 12-hour shifts together in the squad on holidays. It is an unspeakable bond that only, I think, a canine handler could understand. We all love our pets. I had a pet for 16 and a half years. We love our pets and we have a bond with our pets. But to be a canine handler and experience that bond with another creature that's not a human... (laughs) That relies on you. I mean, ultimately, that's the truth. Bane relied on me for everything. Still does. But you relied on him as well. I did. There were a few nights that I definitely know that I went home safe without being harmed or I didn't have to use force against anybody else to protect myself because Bane was with me. And I know for sure that there are times on some tactical missions that we've done that myself and my guys went home because Bane was there. Tell us about that. 
there are dogs out there and handlers that have more experience or have maybe experienced an even more traumatic call or situation than Bane and I. So I do like to preface that this is my experience and my perspective and that I do know that there are very superior dogs out there in canine handler teams. But specifically, we had a situation where we were going after some dangerous people with a tactical team and we knew that the offenders had firearms inside and in one case they had their doors barricaded with two by fours and i remember the armored vehicles sitting on the front lawn of this house we're calling out to the guy we had already pushed in the front door and he's not coming out not answering us and i had heard over the radio that the team on the side of the house had saw somebody So Bane and I made our way over there, and the offender, we learned this later, it was like a flat of a a three-story building, and he was on that main level, so there was like a half staircase up to his level, you know, in the back of the house where there's like the shared kind of staircase to go to all three levels of the house. Mm -hmm. And he was poking his head out from the doorframe, and he was basically saying he's not going to surrender, that the only way he was is if we went in and got him. And we're trying to get him out. And then they were trying to call him out, call him out. And I put Bane in between the two guys with their rifles and who were calling this guy. We identified him as our offender. And it's funny because I never actually had to send Bane in, but all of Bane's jaws came out and every single one of his teeth was visible. And we're, you know, you picture this guy is probably 10 feet from us, you know, and he could only see Bane and Bane had all of his teeth out. And he never barked once, but the growl was so loud that came from his soul that the guy could hear him inside the house. And he basically said, I'm still not coming out. And I said, well, Bane's coming in to get you. You're coming out or we're coming in to get you, but not humans, the dog. And after a little bit of negotiation, he came out and we took him into custody. And he said the only reason he came out was pretty much because of the dog. And I feel like if Bane would have been going crazy and barking, I'm not sure he would have come out because that gives a sense of control, of Mm -hmm. lack of control of the dog. And I think by Bane positioning himself between my two tech guys and his demeanor and never actually barking, just growling so loud that I could feel it through my body, that guy came out. I mean, he's facing 20 years in prison. And what we didn't know was we found out after we cleared the house that sitting in the doorframe with him was a loaded handgun, which he had had in his hand, and a fully loaded AR-223 rifle that was leaning up against the doorframe within his reach as well. He had full plans to take us out if we came in for him, to go out with us, essentially. And I truly believe, and my guys that I worked with truly believe that had Bay not been there, and it could have been any dog, I mean, really, it could have been any dog with a handler with control, but that just goes to show we all walked away, even the bad guy. There was no use of force. Everybody went home to their family. The bad guy was fine. He never got bit. And he said, if that dog wouldn't have been there, I would have never came out. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. There's a joke in in canine handling that you finally get your dog where you want him and then he retires. And that could be said about Bane. Franklin Police Detective Holly McManus talks about her canine Bane's demeanor at home versus at work. You're listening to WTMJ Conversations. And I'm Libby Collins. Our guest today is Franklin Police Detective Holly McManus. Bane, as you said, lived with you at home, probably much like a lot of pets when he was Mm -hmm. off duty. Absolutely. But when he was on duty, did you notice a difference in his demeanor? 
did he change depending on the situation? As Bain and I grew together, again, starting off with that rocky beginning and then going through the years of our service together, there's also a joke and an ironic joke in canine handling that you finally get your dog where you want him and then he retires. And that could be said about Bain. The last two years of my career with him were the highlight of my canine handling experience with him because he was solid and he was on point. And he cued in when I needed him to, and he knew when to bark, when not to bark. He wore two collars. The one collar he still wears every day, and on his statue are both collars as well. And the second collar is what people refer to as a prong collar or a pinch collar. They're 100% necessary, I truly believe, in these type of situations. And they sit high and tight behind the ears because obedience is necessary with these dogs because of the liability associated with them and their job duties. But when I would get ready at night, I was on third shift at the time, he would sit by the door and I would hook that collar on around his ears and it was like, we're going to work. And from that point on, he was so excited. And when I needed him to, he did the right thing. Um, he knew my he knew my number on the radio. What do you mean he knew your number? So my call number, so when dispatch would say 534 over the radio, he knew that was me. So he would... How did he know that? I don't know. I think dogs are smarter than humans at some point. But um, he would key up, meaning like he would perk up, sit up, look out the window, what's coming next. You know, as soon as I keyed the mic to say 534 to desk, he'd perk up, what's mom doing, what's going on? Just little things like that. I couldn't go lights and siren to many calls because he would howl <laughs> the entire time the siren was going, like a wolf or like a coyote. Like you hear the coyotes howl in the fields mm-hmm. when the sirens are going by. <laughs> So I'd have to like blip it to go through an intersection or something and then shut it back off because I couldn't hear the radio. And it'd be funny because my dispatchers knew they would call me on the radio or I would key up on the radio or they would want to dispatch me to something. And as soon as my car would go into gear and the locks would come down, I drove a Tahoe so the locks would come down. He would just be like nuts. And they knew that if I stopped talking on the radio, it was because I was reaching behind me to try and grab onto him and yell and swear words at him to (laughs) shut up. Because I couldn't hear the dispatch (laughs) because he was so excited. So, you know, that drive never goes away in these dogs. And even this morning, I was fighting him about how he has to go lay on his bed because he can't come to work with me. And he's dying. And he wanted to. And he wanted to to come to work with me. And he's so stubborn. And he's always been this way. And not all canines are like this, but he is. If he doesn't want to do something, he doesn't do it. Like, that's probably been the one battle I've had with him throughout my tenure with Bain is if he doesn't want to do something, he doesn't do it. (laughs) So that got difficult in training. I had to make it fun, rewarding, you know, treats or or whatever. And fun, because if you don't make it fun for these dogs, what other than to please you, which is, I think, why Bain did most of the things he did was to make me happy. If you don't make it fun and, and don't make them feel good, then what incentive do they have to do it? Sometimes I had to be real creative, but he still has the spirit of a working dog. So let's talk about when he got sick. What was the determination of when he was going to retire? So when I was promoted to the detective bureau, I had already been on third shift for almost for over 10 years, done the patrol work. The the promotion came available and it was time for something different. I do have currently a very supportive administration and I do have a very supportive group of officers around me. And when I was offered the detective position, when Bain retired, taking the next dog was still on the table and I needed something different. And I couldn't imagine bringing another dog home and then taking that dog to work and leaving Bain at home because his favorite thing to do was to go in the car. So I struggled with that. So I I declined 
to put in for the next dog. And I said, I'll take the promotion. Well, the need was still there for a dog because we hadn't selected the next handler yet. And we hadn't selected the next kennel for our dog. So my boss has said, well, Bane might as well go to the detective bureau with you and do some different sort of work. And we'll just keep them until Riggs, who ended up being Riggs. We didn't even have a name. It was ready. And so that ended up being we selected the kennel. The dog was born trained. Officer Holmes went to training. Riggs is from Canada, went up to Canada for a training and then came back and we actually swore Riggs in and retired Bain in the same day. And it was on Veterans Day of 2020. So three years ago. And it was a very neat ceremony. So for one day, St. Francis had two canines on duty and Bain retired healthy. He was up to date on all his shots. He had had x-rays. His hips looked in great shape, which is unusual for a German Shepherd that's approaching 10 years old. So I was ready for three to four years of walks and running in the yard. I have a couple acres at home, and that was cut short. When did you know he got sick? So knowing Bain, and that was always something that was through some of the vet classes we would take and first aid classes for our dogs is We'd get personal with our dogs. We knew if they had bumps. We knew if they weren't walking right. If something wasn't right, we're tuned into these dogs. So he retired November of 2020. Fast forward about a year, and he started kind of limping a little bit. He'd get real sore. He'd complain when he'd lay down. But then I figured, okay, so we'll get him on some anti-inflammatories because, you know, he's getting older. Arthritis, everything was kicking in. So we did all that, and then he was still stumbling. And he'd walk through my living room, And I would watch him and his legs just didn't look right. So I took him to our vet, who's fantastic, has always provided free care to her canines. And he said, well, let's do some x-rays. I did know that Bane had spondylosis. So no different than human spondylosis where the vertebrae basically start to fuse together a little bit. So we knew we were going to deal with some arthritis and stiffness. So he's like, maybe it's that. So we redid the x-rays and nothing wrong with his hips at all. So there was no hip dysplasia, no arthritis showing. So he sent it to an orthopedic vet. And then a friend of mine, a good friend of mine who actually trained Bane back when Bane was in, we'll say the academy with me. She breeds German Shepherds. And she said to me, she said, Holly, I remember talking to her. I was on the way home from work and I was just beside myself. I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with him. And she said, do you think he has DM? And what's DM? That's kind of what I said. And And she goes, well, degenerative myelopathy. Still ahead on WTMJ Conversations. Their dogs, after working for, you know, seven, eight, nine years, can enjoy retirement even if they are handicapped. Franklin Police Detective Holly McManus talks about the Canine Bane Hero Foundation and how you can get a stuffed animal. You're listening to WTMJ Conversations. Welcome back to our conversation with Police Detective Holly McManus. I'm your host, Libby Collins. So the DNA test came back where he had chromosomes that were consistent with the degenerative myelopathy trait. It's a bloodline trait. But if I look back to, well, why didn't we pick up on this when I got them? They didn't test for that 10 years ago. They're testing for it now. Sometimes it's a breeder that is responsible that will test for it. But with all the shelter dogs and things like that, having puppies, and it was primarily seen in German Shepherds, Corgis, and Boxers. And now we're seeing it. It's not discriminating against any type of dog. So we diagnosed them. And then I set out to do everything I can because the week that Bane was diagnosed, I lost my Corgi Pickles of 16 and a half years. She died on Memorial Day or the day before Memorial Day. And then Bane was diagnosed later that week. So I said, I'm not losing my two dogs in the same year. I refuse. And if you know me, I'm stubborn. And if I set out to do something, I generally do it. 
And then about two weeks later, I said, I'm going to build a bronze statue, too, while I'm at it. We set down this path of Bane's journey that we're now into, like, day 550. We've built the bronze statue, and then something had to come next. And And where's the statue located? Right outside of the Civic Center, St. Francis, right off of Howard Avenue. Sits proud on about four foot of granite. But he was in a wheelchair, and I say was up until the last time I actually had him in a wheelchair was at a demo fundraiser in, I think I want to say early July. The wheelchair was fantastic. It gave me a new outlook on life with him. It gave him a new outlook. We could go for walks. We could do demos. He could still do his bite work with bite sleeves and decoys. And But his body has told me since July-ish that it can't withstand the forward weight either on his front paws. So he doesn't use his wheelchair anymore. But he still does have power in his front legs. So if I use a harness like under his back hips, he still does get himself outside. He can still hold his bladder. He still holds his bowel movements. Um, So he is still functional, just not in the way we're used to seeing dogs. I forgot what it's like to see him walk. Mm. So it's kind of weird. And that's where the foundation comes in, (laughs) because you want to help other handlers and other canine officers. Mm Mm-hmm. And promote responsible breeding <laughs> so that this that's the only way we're going to get rid of this disease at this point is if we stop breeding dogs that are carriers of this gene with other dogs that are carriers. So you breed two carriers together and that's how you get Bane. So let's talk about the Canine Bane Hero Foundation. So our goal is to support handlers that are preparing to retire their canines because in the state of Wisconsin, once the dog retires, I paid a dollar for Bane to my city. All of the medical bills, feeding, whatever the dog may need becomes the responsibility of the handler. There is no way I would have been able to provide for Bane what I have without the support of thousands. And I, and I mean thousands of people around the world. So I want to use that experience. Because there's no pension Right. Yes. No pension, no health insurance. (laughs) Right. I want to use that experience to get ahead of it with other handlers and not not have them go through the same roadblocks or bumps that I went through with Bane. If we can head off the issues that dogs have in retirement with the proper equipment, the proper medication, the proper diagnosis, their dogs, after working for, you know, seven, eight, nine years, can enjoy retirement even if they are handicapped or, you know, stricken with something that could prevent them from having a normal retirement. I know you're doing a lot of things to help raise funds for the foundation. And one of the things that I find absolutely charming is the canine bane stuffed animal. (laughs) And we're going to have a picture of this, obviously, on our website. But tell us about it and how people can get this. The stuffed animals is a pretty common thing now with police departments, right? So I think it's the perfect and the best way for an agency to raise money for their dogs, for their canine program, because I think there is a there is a large number of people who have started collecting these or kids who start collecting them. And they're they're rather inexpensive. It's $20. It covers the cost of the dog, the stuffy, and then it the rest of the money goes toward whatever, you know, whatever the dog is representing. So like we have canine rigs at our station that the money goes to canine rigs. And now we have the canine Bane ones and the money goes to Bane or the foundation, um, depending on. So basically any money left over from Bane as well will go back into the foundation. But the stuffed animals, they're a great way to have 
a police dog watching over you every day. That's what I that's what I tell kids when they get it. My daughter has like 10 of them in her bed. So the kids will get them and then they carry them around and they say they always have a police dog with them. And he has a jacket. He has, is this a bulletproof vest? It's, it's supposed to represent like a like a vest or a okay. harness that they would wear. But there's a badge. Yes. I love the badge. So <laughs> the the agents or the company that does these that I use that I've been using for a decade now because um, we've been we've had Bane since we've had mini Bane stuffies since Bane was in service and um, they're fantastic and they'll they'll they customize the dog so if you have a Dutch Shepherd or a Lab or a German Shepherd or a bicolor Shepherd like that one uh, you pick that then you can pick the color of the vest you pick what the vest says you can pick what patch is going on the vest uh, the charm so in this case that is a direct that is an exact replica of Bane's badge um, you can have those custom made the hang tag that's on his ear um, that in this case Dog City which is in St. Francis is the sponsor of those dogs so Dog City actually paid for a hundred of those dogs to be made so that 100% of the sale of it goes directly toward the foundation and there's a picture of Bane. And there's that. a picture of yeah. Bane in his wheelchair um, and his cape, because some hero- heroes do wear capes. Um, you know, so they are available. Um, I mean, any jurisdiction that you live in, you're, if you have a canine unit, chances are you have these stuffies available at your police department um, to support your unit. Um, but specifically, Bane has them. I have them. You can reach out to me through Bane's Facebook page at K9Bane, B A N E. Um, we will be launching them again. Hero Industries, which is the California company that makes these, um, will run them occasionally online where you can order them and they'll ship directly to you. Um, but we have a number of ways. Just get a hold of me and I can get you one. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. We had an American flag flown on our flagpole for 24 hours and they even agreed to burn that flag with Bane. Franklin Police Detective Holly McManus talks about how the end is near. For her canine partner, Bane. Now, more of WTMJ Conversations. I'm Libby Collins. Today's conversation is with police detective Holly McManus. Two days ago, I made a call to a pet cremation company in preparation for this. I've been putting it off just to get an idea about how to prepare for it. Because with pickles, it was so sudden. But she told me she was ready, and I did it that day so that it didn't get drawn out. And I learned lessons from that, and that's not what I want for Bane. So I called the cremation company, and they were wonderful. Um, Basically, at any point that Bane passes, they will make themselves available to take Bane. When we dedicated the statue, we had an American flag flown on our flagpole for 24 hours over the city. And it was brought down by the honor guard. And I have it folded up at home. And they even agreed to burn that flag with Bane. His time is coming. And it's coming faster than... It's funny because I say faster because we've been doing this journey for over 550 days. But I think as any pet owner that has gone through this with their fur baby, there are no words to describe the loss. There are no sentiments that anybody can give you that makes you feel better because you do you feel alone you feel like your heart's been ripped out and you feel like nobody understands but through this journey with Bane I've realized that a lot of people thousands of people that have communicated with Bane and I through his social media they do understand you probably understand 
And through that connection, it's partly why I'm not crying right now. I was crying at my desk two days ago when I made that call because I was by myself. But the connections that you can create with people over losses such as this and the ability to help others has gotten me through this journey with Bain and through his next journey across the bridge. So his therapy service, we were there last night, his acupuncture and his laser, his vet that's been taking care of him for 18 months is moving on to a better opportunity out of state. And so Bain has two appointments left with her. And she had even expressed, I think, almost to tears that she was going to finish this journey with him. We had plans that she was going to be the one to help him cross the bridge. And I don't think that's going to happen because Bain has proved to us that he he isn't going down without a fight. And so I'm making arrangements for home hospice care. And I think once he stops leaving the house to go to these appointments, I think it's going to change. No different than humans. I think, you know, in taking care of family members, your soul reaches a point where you're tired. And Bane's tired. I don't think he's in any pain. I really don't. We've been monitoring it very closely. But sometimes in his eyes, I see it. I don't think he's ready yet, like any time in the next couple days or even a week. But the next month or two. So you prepare for that. And I don't think I'm any different, despite Bane having the support online, all this support throughout the last 18 months. He is no different than the canine handlers that have lost their dogs before me. And I have gone through the journey with so many people through Bane's Facebook page. They have messaged me dogs that died unexpectedly or dogs that have died of old age that have died before Bane that we thought Bane would die before them. And so my what I tell them is, is the amount of dogs that are going to be waiting at the other side of the bridge for Bane when he dies and crosses, it's going to be a party. <laughs> and he's going to be able to run free without this disease wreaking havoc on his body and be grumpy because he can be grumpy, not be grumpy because he can't walk. I know it's hard, but so I hope I'm not making people cry, but he's had a fantastic life and when he does leave us, um, you know, he's going to leave a hole in my heart. But I, I'm blessed. I am, I am blessed beyond words that I have had the opportunity to spend this time with him. There are canine handlers that are friends of mine that have lost their dogs unexpectedly. One day they're here and the next day they're gone. I have had 500 plus days to brush bane sit with him, walk with him, spend time with him, talk to him, you know, care for him. And that is a blessing in disguise, even though it's one of the hardest journeys I've ever taken. It really is. a. am truly lucky to have been able to do that with my buddy for everything he's done for me. I, I'm blessed to be able to give this back to him. St. Francis Police Detective Holly McManuson. Handler of Canine Bane, a real, real-life hero. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. We've been talking with Franklin Police Detective Holly McManus about her canine partner, Bane. We heard how his stubbornness led to a really interesting partnership and also some of the work that he's done with the department through the years. And, of course, the Canine Bane Hero Foundation. If you joined us late and you want to hear our entire conversation with police detective Holly McManus, go to WTMJ.com and share today's show with your friends and family. You'll also find a partial transcript courtesy of eCourt Reporters. 
for WTMJ Conversations. I'm Libby Collins.